Hello and welcome to the first show of Moving Abroad. Have you ever thought about moving abroad, living internationally, uprooting from your home country and going to a totally different place? Millions of people do it. My goal is to find out why and what it's like when they do make that decision. Also, I hope that you'll learn something about other countries. I know I certainly will. And if you were thinking about moving abroad, it's ever crossed your mind, that this helps you in that process. That's one of the reasons for the show. By the way, my name is Doug. I am your host. I am from Alabama, as you might be able to tell from the southern accent. I do not live abroad, and I'm currently not considering living abroad, but I am fascinated by the lifestyle and could consider it down the road as I get closer to retirement. What I have found out, though, in my research and reading is that there are a lot of questions that go unanswered. A lot of Pollyanna views out there on the popular places like International Living Magazine or on the Forbes top places to move abroad. My goal is not to look for negative things, of course. That's just part of it. I want to hear the good, the bad. I want to know what people love, what people hate about it, what the struggles are, what the great things are, why they did it, would they do it again, what's it like. Were they accepted in the new country? Have they learned the language? Is it safe? Do you feel safe in the new country? These are the type of things I hope to find out from expats from many countries. I'm looking for people who have moved to Mexico or Panama or Ecuador or Costa Rica or Peru or Thailand or Malaysia or Colombia. Millions of people have done this. Why do they do it? What's it like? A lot of people believe that the reason is because it's less expensive. And in many cases, that does seem to be why people do it. Some people have to do it for work. I hope to talk to people from small villages to big cities all over the world. My first guest is Cynthia Kirkwood. She lives in a small village in Portugal, but started in New York and San Francisco in the United States and then moved to the UK and finally ended up in Portugal. We're going to find out what it's like for her to live there why she went there, etc. This first show is pre-recorded, the interview I did with Cynthia. In the future, I hope to have live shows so that you can call in and ask questions. I'm sure there will be many that I don't ask that you would love to know something about. I will get better as time goes on with the questions and learning what people really want to know besides what I want to know. I also plan to have a website that will be up soon, lifeaftermovingabroad.com. Without further ado, let's move forward with the first interview. I want to thank Cynthia for being a part of the show. It was tough finding the first person. Now that other people will get to hear what it's like, hopefully they will be more willing to participate so that we can learn more about the expat lifestyle. also like to mention that hopefully some of the future shows will have much better sound. This first interview that we pre-recorded had to be done with Skype. Uh, there are better alternatives that we are going to be using in the future, hopefully. Here we go. Thanks for listening. Hello. Hola. Hola. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. Doing all right. Great, great. Thanks again for being the first guest on the new radio program. Uh, you're quite welcome. I'm excited. Thank you for asking me. Sure. We're excited about learning about expat, the lifestyle, and wanted to start with Portugal, so looking forward to hearing about that today. Before okay. we get started, let's find out a little bit. You started in the United States, but you went to several places there and then left. When you left originally, was it a decision made because you wanted to try a different country, or was it a, a family-type decision, you know, you had military or something? Or it, it, was a, it was a family decision. I mean, well, it wasn't military, but I went there to, to, uh, to join someone who was working there, you know, so... Man, I eventually married. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, it it wasn't didn't have anything to do with you know living in the states at all. Mm -hmm. I traveled around in the states because I was working as a newspaper reporter, working in the newspaper business, and so I ended up working at several newspapers and ended up in San Francisco at the Chronicle, writing headlines and editing mayhem. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up leaving there. When was that? Twenty some odd years ago, nineteen ninety four, to Sicily. 
Oh, wow. Um, so you, since then. Okay, yes. Straight from yeah. San Fran to Sicily. So is your husband Italian, I take it? My ex-husband is Welsh. Okay. Uh, but yeah. he had taken a contract working in Sicily. So I was there for a year. That was wonderful. Okay. Oh, great food. <laughs> oh, so fresh. Wonderful. You know. Um, <laughs> it's very hard to beat the food in Italy. No doubt. Right. Right. Okay. So you're only there a year. And uh, how hard did you become a? Did you have to try to become a citizen, or were you on a work visa? How long did you you stay there? Uh, just a year. How did that work? I was there a year. He was there a little bit longer, not much. But when I got there, the um, I suppose he was the administrative person at the at the company he worked for. Begged me not to try to pursue getting any kind of legal status there because it is such a bureaucracy in, in Sicily. And she had a difficult enough time getting work permits for, for, um, for the people who were there. It shouldn't have been a problem. I mean, we were talking about going from one European Union country to the other where you're supposed to be able to move easily and work easily, but it was, you know, it was quite difficult. So I, for a year, I really had no status. You can only stay there, though. Like, did you have to go for six months, go back home, and then come back, or you got to stay a whole year, no problem? I didn't go back to the States, did I? No, I went to the U.K. a few times, and I think that sort of, you know, that I, I didn't overstay my time, you know, in, right. in, in Sicily because of that. I'd go back for holidays, mm -hmm. Christmas, I know, and another time I went back and worked out. Okay, so after you were in Italy, did you move? That's when you moved to Cornwall in Britain, or did you go somewhere else? No, I went somewhere else. I moved back to moved back to the UK to Malden, which is in uh, the central part of England, and was there for about a year before moving to Cornwall. We bought a house in Cornwall. Okay. Um, so, and even then, uh, that was my home sort of a base for the next 17 years or so, three years of which I was in uh, actually living in Santa Cruz, California, um, and working, but also a six months in Stockholm, Sweden, mm. went back <laughs> to Sicily, you know, for a few months. So mm. I'm, I, it should be no surprise that I left the States. I've always been traveling, really. I was in the UK for 17 years. I'm mm -hmm. now in Portugal. Right. I have been here five years. Okay. Okay, so when you decided to move to Portugal, what was the rationale behind that decision? You, you were just needed to make a move or you wanted to be in Portugal? Slower pace of life. I mean, that, that's what I was looking for. Cornwall is a rural county southwest of, of southwest England and had always been slow. But in the time I've lived there, nearly 20 years, it had been changing. There were more and more people moving from the London area, big city, from the Hampshire area, a lot of money pushing up, well, just making more and more people uh, also searching for the same thing, a slower pace of life, countryside, but by the very fact that they were moving down there, things were changing a bit. When I first moved to Cornwall, I was the house the cottage was on a road, small road. You know, you couldn't get two vehicles next to each other on it. But when I first moved there, I could tell. I knew who was driving on the road eight in the morning. I knew that was such and such a farmer with his tractor going here. I, I could tell. By the time I left, cars were just sweeping by. I, I had no idea because what was happening was that people were driving their children to school, doing what they call a school run in the UK. It was just becoming a lot busier. Hmm. And, uh, you know, not as peaceful was not the reason that I moved there. So that was the major reason for coming to Portugal and to the countryside in Portugal. So you uh, clearly don't like big city living. You know, I mean, you grew up, I didn't mean to fail to mention, you were raised in New York, you've been in San Francisco, Sicily. You just, you want a small, small town life, small city where everybody knows each other kind of deal? That's more like just more sort of the quiet and not the, not the, the, I saw the the maniacal way of life is 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 really what what I was searching for. Uh, you're right. I did grow up in New York, and I am still a New Yorker. I mean, I think that where you grow up and what says so much about you, and you never really get rid of that. But 
things were just moving way too fast in, in Cornwall for me in Britain. Mm-hmm. There had been a lot of changes nationally in just the, in just those 17 years that I was in the UK. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first moved there, I could see, oh, this was a place where you could go to a neighbor's house, sit down, and go in and have a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. It was that sort of place in Cornwall anyway. But when I left, no. Things were, you know, time. Time was of the essence. Time is money. That's so, that sort of mantra. That's what I don't like so much. Let's go back a little bit. When you when you left and went to the UK area, what what did you you didn't get a citizenship in Sicily? I, I assume you had to get one to be there for seventeen years or so. I became a citizen. You don't have to. You can be a permanent resident. Um, I just, but I did become a, a UK subject after a number of years. So you could just be there as a permanent resident and without having to become. A, are you a dual citizen? Actually, I'm a triple citizen. Triple citizen, um, okay. Right, UK, US, and Belize, which is where my parents emigrated from when they uh, left. And oh, so you got Belize York. as well, huh? <laughs> Do you ever get yeah. to go back there much? Well, for a while, I was going back every year with my mother, which was great. Um, but uh, it stopped for a bit, and then two years ago, I took my son there. My son was going to be 15 next month. He went there for the first time, so no, it was good to get back. I hadn't been back in about 20 years. That gets a lot of attention as a place for expats as well. Uh, it's, right. It's been on the list for one a few years ago on the international living. Okay, so uh, you get, you're thinking about Portugal. How did you do your research and decide on Portugal, and how many visits did you take before you decided this is where I'm going to move, if any? Much of the research was online. One of the criteria was that the country be an EU country, European Union country, mm-hmm. because having British uh, citizenship would mean that uh, I could work here, I could you know, move freely, I wouldn't have to worry about getting visas or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was another criteria. Looking for a place that was somewhat, had kinder weather, and you can go just about anywhere and find that because <laughs> British weather is quite miserable, dark. <laughs> You know, a very mm-hmm. low sky all the time. So that was another, you know, another consideration. Um, as far as coming here, the first property visit was back in 2004, I believe. We came to the area that I'm now living in, which is the Bayrash. It's the center, uh, center in northern part, northern region of Portugal and to the Alentejo, which is a little further south, which is where the cork trees are. And then it took four years for us to sell our house. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, we uh, delayed putting it on the market until every last detail was perfect. And we put it on the market right after the, the mm. economic crisis yeah. hit. So that was a bit unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So, okay, four years later, we made a visit I think two or three visits uh, from December through the spring, found the property and then moved back in August of that year. Did you look just in that area or did you, you had that in mind or did you look all over Portugal or how did you do your research? No, this is the area I want to find a house in. The second time, well, after that initial visit, I realized that the Alentejo was just too hot. It was March of that year. And my son at that time was about four years old. He was sitting in the back seat of the car, and he said, Mom, can I take off my shirt, please? <laughs> it was just so brutally hot. And I thought, well, if it's like this in March, and I like hot weather, it's just too much. The other consideration there was the lack of water, um, because it is a very dry climate. And the idea was to be able to grow some things here. So... Yeah, the Alentejo got discounted so that when we finally did sell the house and came back to look for property, we came to the Bayrash, the center area, which is my nearest town is 17 kilometers away. It's called Oliveira de Hospital, and Coimbra is the district, I suppose. That's an hour and a half away from me. Mm-hmm. And you've got a story somewhat about your move or your neighborhood, Portugal's Personal, at your website. Tell me a little bit about that. Portugal's Personal is, is actually a book that I, I put on online as a blog. Uh began writing it. Sh- 
shortly before leaving the UK. Just it's a, it's it's uh, thirteen entries, and there are photographs of the area and stories about practical stories about moving here, sentimental ones, some funny about that experience of moving. And I call it Portugal as personal because, well, for several reasons. And one of them is that I find that getting information about anything happening here is it's often sort of a talking drum thing. You know, you get it from a neighbor or, you know, you don't get things online. Hmm. Uh, it's difficult to get information. So uh, I'm, that's one thing. Yeah, the link's kind of long, so I'm going to put it in the description of the show. So if anybody listening wants to check it out, the link's in there. Just go to the um, description of this particular episode, and you'll be able to find okay. it. So the I'm going to go back. You, you said you had a four-year-old. How does a four-year-old coming from Britain area go to school uh, where there's a totally different language, uh, Portuguese, or do you homeschool? How does that work? Okay, well, my son was four on the first property uh, trip we made. By the time we moved here five years ago, he was nine, mm-hmm. so a little older. It was a big consideration. Well, language was a big consideration for me um, and him, you know, because he was going to be very much a part of Portugal. I could always just retreat, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily speak uh, to too many people, but my son was enrolled in a local school, a village school. On the first property trip we made to this area, the Bairash, someone, we, we went to look at a house, a property, and she just happened to mention that we drove past the school and she said, that school seemed to be really popular with expats. And that was the only advice that I got with regard to school because most other expats were homeschooling their children. And it wasn't because they found fault with the Portuguese system. They would have been homeschooling if their kids were in the UK. And I didn't want to do that. I feel that school is a way of becoming a part of society and learning the language and making friends and all of that. So I went back to that school once once finding the property that uh, we eventually bought. I went back to the school in spring, and they were ever so nice, invited us in, spoke with two, well, with a, a vice principal, he would have been, and said I wanted to enroll my son there for the, for the, for the September. No problem, he said. All he needed was my son's passport, UK passport. You know, it was no bureaucracy whatsoever. Uh, we had a nice chat, and you know that was that was it. We went back there, and I suppose when we came to sign for the house, close on it in in June, and my son was enrolled. Was he? Did, uh, did he have to? Did he know Portuguese by that time, or did they speak to him in English? No. How does that work? He did not know any Portuguese, and he mm-hmm. basically refused to listen to any of the Portuguese tapes that I bought. Some tapes, a course that I I would play at breakfast. Just to have as background. What, what course was that? To deal with that? What course are you talking about? Rosetta Stone or? Uh, was Clinton? it Rosetta Stone? I can't. It was a, an, an English woman, and I can't quite remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. But it's an excellent. It's an excellent course. Okay. Sorry, I can't. Uh, That's okay. So he, he goes anybody. to school, and uh, they're not speaking English. But at this school. And this is something the vice principal had pointed out. He said, oh, we've got lots of experience with expats, not a problem. Okay. At that time, they had about 17 kids out of 200 mm-hmm. who were from Germany, Belgium, Holland, and and they did have experience. So what they did was, and he said, by Christmas, he'll be well on his way, and by Easter, he'll, he won't have a problem. He'll be fluent. Wow. And he was right. He was right. <laughs> I mean, uh he had, Kaladin, my son had a teacher sit with him through many of his classes and translate. Mm-hmm. And then he also had something they call apoyo, which means support. So this is a period of the school when he has a teacher he sat with and did Portuguese with. And, you know, that's, that's how it worked. And it just worked very well. When he first started school, I would translate his textbooks into English. I just uh, wrote in the book, and by, and he would ask me to translate uh, something he brought home, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because of my Spanish, I could do that. 
Mm-hmm. And I also had my Portuguese dictionary there for words that are not the same as they are in Spanish. But by Easter, by Christmas, he had stopped asking me to translate. And by Easter, no, nah, he was he was fluent. He speaks without an accent now. So these 17 other students, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, it is a small town, so you may know all of them, but that sounded like a lot of different countries. Were most of those people who moved for a different lifestyle, you think, or for work? Different lifestyle, not work. There's no work here for people. Mm-hmm. So, no. And people in, we have a large, a large foreign community of people. They come mostly from Holland and from the UK. Okay. A, a couple of thousand. Mm-hmm. So when those folks come over, is it, so much less expensive they don't need to work or are they just retiring and want a better lifestyle or, or a combination it's a combination i i would say there are two groups of people of foreigners here one is the semi-tired retired group of people and the second are and they they tend obviously to be older the second group are younger people and they are more alternative types mm-hmm. um they're definitely vegetarian they're into spiritualism they want to get back to nature earth throw things, that kind of thing. So, you know, roughly, generally speaking, that's what you've got here. So the younger people, if there's no work, how do they pay for things? I mean, how do they get money? <laughs> Some people are really are really struggling, mm-hmm. frankly. I think that, you know, they, they've come here and they think, well, it is so much cheaper than the UK, but it, you still have to have money to pay for something. Sure. So some people really, really struggle. Not so so much, I think, with the people who are who are retired. San Francisco, New York, expensive place, United States, but probably similar to what it was uh, in Cornwall and those areas. Uh, would you say the cost of living similar for that for UK and United well, States? No, the cost of living is is much lower here. No, I mean before before um, we get to Portugal, your your UK experience and your uh, United um, States, they're about on par. So, so New York and San Francisco would be, you know, you move to, to um, Cornwall area, you're not expecting some big price increase there. It's going to be pretty similar there than it was as it was in the United States. Is that right? Well, no, because, you know, the New York and San Francisco are, are like the most expensive places <laughs> yeah. to live in the country. Yeah. And I, in the U.K., when I'm moving to Cornwall, Cornwall was in the countryside, it's a rural so it is a lot cheaper, okay. a lot cheaper, you know. What about Sicily? Was it uh, in the same ballpark as the UK then, or Cornwall area maybe? Or is it, it seemed, it's supposed to be pretty reasonable too, is it? At that time, at that time, actually I was living in a fishing village that's not that far from Taramina, which is a popular tourist uh, spot. I was living in Acitrezza mm-hmm. and Acitastello, and it was, it was less money than certainly than New York and San Francisco. Okay. So we're going to go with Cornwall and Sicily then are are the least expensive. So now you move to Portugal. Is it, there's a big difference there then too, right? Right. All of a sudden. Portugal's a poor country. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, along with Greece and Spain, you know, it's a poor country. But Um, the people seem to be, and of course I'm just a tourist, basic experience, they seem to be extremely happy over there. Yeah. I mean, Yes. You know, I, I would say that. I mean, we have festas in the village that are wonderful all the time. I mean, I can't keep up. You know, they had, you know, Christmas dance on, you know, Christmas Eve. I think, gosh, you know, sometimes it's just too much. And, and it's just uh, dances in the, in the village hall. So, yeah, people do celebrate life. And people still have festivals that they keep. You know, in the summer, they'll have the sardine festival. Mm-hmm. Grill sardines, you know, and and so they they haven't they still have they still have festivals, mm-hmm. you know that means something something that wasn't true in the UK at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is true more so in the states, I think. Okay. To celebrate. Man, do they? I mean, not you know. Again, I went to touristy places mostly, but everybody was very welcoming and very nice. Are they in the area area that you are in? Are the locals? really accepting of expats yes very much so i remember i was looking for uh just on on a property hunt and looking for what was billed as a former bakery couldn't find it anywhere and just stopped and asked a group of men who were talking in, in the village it was this village and uh 
they sort of scratched their heads for a moment and then said, oh, I know. <laughs> and one of them jumped into the car and said, follow me. Oh, wow. And, you know, he took us, you know, he took us there. And I was astounded by this because he really, this person, a stranger, went out of his way to take us to this place. You know, I mean, I can't think of too many places where that would happen. Well, so people still take time. Mm -hmm. You know, this is an area where, you know, there'll be, we have a lot of narrow streets here. And people will uh, see a friend and the friend will go up to the car and they'll stop in the middle of the road and have a conversation. <laughs> Like is, it, is it mandatory to have a car there? I mean, most most there's a lot of areas they say over there you can do public transportation and other things. Do most people there, have cars? There is no I'm sorry, there is no public transportation where I live. Okay. There is no bus that stops here. Mm -hmm. Train station, Nelash, it's about, well, I know exactly, it's like 57 kilometers away. Mm -hmm. And it's about 20-minute car drive. So where I'm living, no, there's no public transportation. Mm -hmm. And as I... I began saying earlier, it's important for people to decide whether or not they want to live in the country or the city. I live in the country. A lot of advantages of that. Another, you know, one advantage is that it is much cheaper living here than it would be, say, living in Lisbon or in Porto, the two cities here in Portugal. I go out to a local restaurant, great food. I can get everything. Well, I get everything, starting with olives and, you know, ending with dessert, say, eight, eight euros, 50. That's about ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and that, that's not true in in Lisbon. When I go to Lisbon, I you know my yeah. eyebrow raises like whoa, you know, that's probably about double that. Yeah, but it, it's still cheap compared to other places. Yeah, it depends on where you go. I mean, you know, we had a. I still can't believe the pricing of one meal we had in Cape Sagres. It was just so low. I was shocked. It, a lot of food and drink, and it was just unbelievable. You know, inexpensive compared to. Lisbon or the United States, even. Right. I guess there's plenty of gas stations in this town, or do you have one? Or actually, I have two gas stations that are in the next the next village. It's mm -hmm. a village I live in. It's only about 250 people living here. Wow. And the next village is three kilometers away, and there are two gas stations there. Okay. Far is it for you if you want to take a flight back to the United States? You got to drive where, and how long does that take? I usually take the train to Lisbon. You, you can fly out of either Lisbon or Porto, you okay. know, but mm -hmm. Lisbon is about a three-hour um, train ride away. Trains are very reasonable here. Mm -hmm. I can, If I book the train ahead of time, five weeks, I think it is, something like that. Let's say the cost of going, traveling from where I am to Lisbon can vary between 8 and 24 euros. Okay. Which is it. Do you have to go back to the States or to Britain much? I mean, do you have to leave Portugal or are you pretty much you're there most of the year, all year? I'm 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 here most of the time. I mean my son is in school, so mm -hmm. you know, the only time we, we travel is when he's got a school vacation. And that is he's get he gets a um in the summer, three month holiday, you know, June mm -hmm. and September. Mm -hmm. You know, Christmas is two weeks and then the occasional day off you know, for various public holidays. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that's interesting to me, they don't talk about a lot on in, in international living, these other sources, when an expat moves, is there anybody you've left behind that you feel guilty about or somebody that you need to go see at least every now and then that makes it kind of complicated for you? Not really very complicated. I mean, because even when I with regard to my family, even when I was in the States, I wasn't living near my family, you know. Uh, my parents were in New York. Now, my mother passed a number of years ago, 15 years ago. My mother did about nearly two years ago. And, you know, I would go back to New York to see her. She was living right next door to my, um, my sister and her husband and family. So that was kind of a regular visit I was making, you know, every year um, to see her. Okay, so now you, you you don't have to do that as much. I'm kind of you know, I, it's it's not as as plain as that you know, but I didn't go last year and I am feeling less of a pull, you know, to to go back uh, because she's not there, you know now. Gotcha, makes sense. Another thing they don't talk about that interests me. Sometimes they do. I've seen it mentioned a few times. Safety. 
Well, how safe do you feel over there? Safety, yes. You know, just safety, safe walking around the streets, you know, going out, um, you know, those kind of things. It's, you know, as I was, as I mentioned before, we have festas, and in the summer, the festas start, well, they always start late. You know, the band starts playing at 10, 11, something like that at night, and they usually end around 2 in the morning, something like that. And I'll go, in the summer, say I'll go, leave maybe around midnight or 1, something like that, and, you know, my son who is now, what, 14, will stay and say, yeah, go ahead and stay with your friends. Wow. And, you know, they, they just start to dance. Or when in the summer, people actually, they come from Portuguese who have emigrated to other countries, come back, and many of them come back. So suddenly this area's population swells and you see <laughs> license plates from Luxembourg, Switzerland, France, other places. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing they'll do is people's houses, it's almost like open house. You know, my son comes back and says, yeah, this family from Switzerland, they had just table full of food and it was just saying to the kids, yeah, come on in, you know, and just eating and, you know, watching a football game. It's really nice. So not to have to worry is, is fantastic. And, and also here, you know, it's, it stays light for a long time in the summer. So you have these long days, long, warm days. It's fantastic. It's incredibly safe. <laughs> That's you good know. to hear. What are some things that you that you do miss luxuries or just things that you were used to in the United States and over in Cornwall, other Sicily, other areas that you cannot get in Portugal or in the area that you are in, if anything. You know, there's one thing that you can't get in, in Europe and it's, it's a masa harina. Mm-hmm. It's the corn meal that you use to make tortillas. Hmm. And yeah, you can get it online, but the, the, uh, the shipping cost is exorbitant. <laughs> So that's one thing I do miss. And I would, when I go to New York, I bring that back, yeah, bring yeah. back a, like a five pound bag with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I miss that. Little things I miss. I really like black licorice a lot hmm. and you just don't get that. Really? Maple mm. syrup. That's, but mm. I can get that here. I found a, a place at um, a market, a town market where they're selling maple syrup. We got that. Mm-hmm. Candy canes, but one of my sisters sent that to me for Christmas, which is great. Mm-hmm. Little things, but the masa harina—that's that's a big thing. Not being able to get that. Well, one of the one of the things I've read on the expats in Portugal page, there seems to be a lot of talk about Amazon shipments and others being a hassle to get, receiving, you know, things that you order from say Amazon or other places. I would not, and I have done, but I would not order anything from outside of the European Union because things say, from the States or from China, get held up at customs. I just recently ordered something. I didn't realize it was from China. I thought it was from the UK until I didn't get it for several weeks. And then I clicked, <laughs> you know, thought, oh, okay, it's from China, no wonder. Mm-hmm. So I just got that refunded. So that's one thing. But the other thing, it seems to be a bit hit and miss about getting packages delivered to me. I don't know. I mean... My address sometimes, I think that sometimes companies are a bit afraid of where is this person living because expats do tend to live off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. You know, you get directions to people's houses and it's like, you know, turn left here, right there, and then follow the electricity pole and get to my <laughs> house sort of thing. So I don't know if that has something to do with mm-hmm. it, but sometimes it's no problem and sometimes it's, it is. So shipping stuff out, how hard is that? Like say you want to send something to New York or... Wherever. It's not a problem. I mean, I I don't I don't think it's a problem. I mean, I just go to the post office and and chip it out. But and I think the mail is 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 reasonably good. However, what's last year? I have a friend whose birthday is in March, and I got a card from her in March, and I thought, oh, that's nice. She lives in New York, and it was her Christmas card. It took like three months, but that's an anomaly. That's not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. What's Christmas like I, over there, Christmas week? And they, you know, over here, a lot of people take time off. It's a big deal, you know, traffic and flying and all that's crazy. I mean, I guess over there, you're you're living such a relaxed lifestyle. It's probably not any different than any other time other than, you know, celebrating the holiday if somebody does that. I think that's true. I mean, we, we don't have the numbers. There, there are 10 million people in Portugal, and mm-hmm. this area especially is pretty empty. So you're not seeing an increase in traffic. People do get Christmas off and they do celebrate, but they tend to do things like they have a nice Christmas dinner, they have bacalao, mm-hmm. you know, dried cod, potatoes, or, you know, they might have some other, you know, dish. But anyway, they, the family gets together 
They play cards. You know, it's 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 pretty low key. Okay, they do get Christmas presents, and I think there's more and more of that. I've noticed uh, television commercials from um, IKEA, the Swedish uh, furniture oh, wow. company, mm-hmm. and they seem to be pushing things like gingerbread cookies. I thought that's <laughs> not even a part of the culture here. What, you know, you know. So they they kind of be showing. They seem to be showing a different kind of Christmas, and you know, maybe people are gravitating toward that, having more of a commercial Christmas. I think maybe there will, you know, there are changes that way. I mean, I think that the Portuguese economy is growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be um, a lot of the talk. I mean, it keeps making the top 10, you know, something number one last year is a place for expats to go. There's a city that was mentioned in a Forbes article I read today, somebody talking about the best places to move if you want to retire early or not work. It's getting a lot of attention. It's not being much of a secret anymore like it might have been about the time you were moving. Uh, your internet seems to be working fine. There's I uh, hear talk on that Expats in Portugal page on Facebook about internet issues, but it doesn't seem, when I was there, I didn't seem to have any. Do you have any issues that are different than anywhere else? Yeah, telecommunications is an issue here in this area. And mm-hmm. when people get together, they say, well, you know, what, who are you using? How is that working? And the thing is, here, we don't have fiber optic. Well, um, that's not true. There is a company that started putting in fiber optic whatever lines, mm-hmm. but they got burnt away. We had a big fire here in October, October 15th. Mm. And a lot of that infrastructure got destroyed. So we don't have, we don't have the speed unless you go don't have the speed. I've got a package that says I get unlimited internet and I don't. You know, mm. I, I use up to a certain amount and I'm careful. I try not to look at a lot of videos, do a lot of things like that. And uh, once I get up to a certain point, it moves ever so slowly. Like click <laughs> on something, go downstairs, make a cup of tea, mm. come back up and maybe it's opened up. Mm. So yeah, internet is, is, uh, is an issue. And that is something that people should take into consideration if they are uh, thinking about working here. That's got to be pretty frustrating for you if you're, you're writing blogs and things on the internet. I mean, is it is it something you've gotten used to? Well, writing is okay. You know, like, you know, so writing and, you know, I mean, I have gotten used to it. It's not so bad, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, I run, I have an apartment in the, in the house that I rent out uh, on Airbnb. And in the beginning, I would say, yeah, we've got internet and give people the, Mm-hmm. password and I don't do that any longer I say no we don't have internet is that in the because, city you're in now you have a, a rental place yeah in Fiesch, the byra, okay. in, in the village yeah so, it's inside the it's inside the house so it's okay. it's a bedroom and a kitchen mm-hmm. and uh, they have access to a communal living room people uh, that would rent that place are they mostly they're visiting people they know there or they want to come see what it's like to be in a city of 250 people in, in Portugal in the country it's oh it's yeah. both. I've had people who own property here and uh, and have come back to look at it. I've had people who've just on vacation, a young couple from New York who, uh, you know, Portugal on their way to Spain. Hmm. So it's, it's a mix of people. Yeah, I live in a, a big city. Uh, grew up in a smaller city, but not compared to 250 people. I mean, what, what do people mostly do there uh, throughout the day and for entertainment and that type of thing? Um, especially people who are visiting, you know, what what would they do? Well, what I've done on the Airbnb site is actually give people like a suggested three or, or two or four day itinerary because if you try and research this, you just, you know, you'll come up with zilch. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, at guidebooks for Portugal, they are abysmal with regard to anywhere outside of cities. Right. So, I mean... There is a lot to do. I mean, we especially, I'd say, anyone coming to this area should go to the top of the Serra de Estrelas, the mountains. It's the highest point on mainland Portugal. It's just a lovely drive. From here, it'll take you maybe about 40 minutes to get there. You know, you just, you see changing landscape. You see boulders that look like uh, pieces of art. And it's a great sculpture out of, out of, made out of the actual granite of, mm-hmm. of Mary. The Virgin Mary on top of it is just like fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's they definitely should go there, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the very top is a place called Torre, T O R R E, 
and there you've got um, buildings and and it's like a marketplace inside, people selling local goods that include leather goods, things made out of cork, cheeses, and the Saturday Estrella cheese is just out of this world. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, really, it's beautiful sheep cheese, all handmade. Hmm. So, yeah, that's one thing. I, I never see that played up in any way. Well, and it's just crazy. Portuguese know about it, sure. and they go up to the top of the mountain mm-hmm. in the winter because it's the only place that gets snow. Like right now, there's snow on the top of the mountain. I can see it. And people are so, you know, because it's so unusual, they will actually just, you know, park their car in the middle of the road, get out, <laughs> and have snow, you know, snowball fights. Mm-hmm. On the opposite end, how far are you from a beach if you want to get oh, away from snow? <laughs> it's about two hours from here, you know, uh, going going to the beach. Mm-hmm. How but, many restaurants do you have in that, in that area? I've got, well, restaurants... There's a restaurant in that the next village, Irvadal mm-hmm. de Baira, mm-hmm. and then a couple in the next village over. You can go, yeah. And then Olivaira de Hospital, which is the nearest town, 17 kilometers. You've got restaurants on the way there and inside the town. Mm-hmm. So do you mostly go out to eat or do you cook? Oh, I don't go out to eat. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, I go out to eat, but not on a regular basis. Not on a regular basis. No. So do you have yeah. – uh, How did okay, so this is um, – if you're cooking at home there, is it possible to have gas or do you have to have everything electric or how does that work? Right. I've got – well, uh, I've got a, a stove that on the top I've got gas because I prefer that. Mm-hmm. So that's bottled gas, Okay. you know, that's stored outside in like a little um, compartment. And uh, and I've got elect- an electric oven. And in the other kitchen, which is rented out, it's it's it's, it's all gas. But then mm-hmm. I can also cook on the. Um, I've got an Ergon. This is a Spanish brand of in the UK. A Rayburn. Are you familiar with that? It's a large oven mm-hmm. that also provides essential heating for the house. Okay. By um, basically by heating the water and the pipes behind it and these pipes, you know, they, they go on to the radiators throughout the house. I can also use that. That's wood. That's do, wood. do you need a lot of heat there? I mean, probably not. Yes. Not right now, I think, <laughs> yes, you do. Okay. It's, we have a proper winter. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're getting lows of about zero centigrade, which is 32 Fahrenheit, wow. and highs of about 10 or so. I don't okay. know. I'm not very good on converting. 10, gotcha. 10 centigrade, which is mm-hmm. I don't know, 50, something like 40, something like that. But, I'm not good about going back and forth between centigrade you and must Fahrenheit. Be, you must be pretty so far north. So this is definitely winter. Yeah, because that, that's not the case if you go to Algarve and some of those areas. It's not really, it's never going to get like that. It's mostly just north, northern Portugal, right? Where no, it's cold. the Algarve also has a winter. Really? Yes, all of Portugal gets a winter. Hmm. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and yes, it's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. I think that sometimes houses are constructed to deal with the summer heat as though winter doesn't exist, and it, it certainly does. So if I am going to, say, go to Lisbon and stay overnight or, you know, on my way somewhere or whatever, I I try and see whether or not what kind of heating they have or whether there is any mention of how cold yeah. it was or how wet it was. Also tends, the climate here is very damp. I noticed it was very windy, too, in a lot of areas uh, we were. Uh, a lot of wind. It's, it's windy on on the ocean, on mm-hmm. the water side, so beach side. I mean, it's it's very windy there. Mm-hmm. If somebody wanted to visit your city, pretty much their only option is Airbnb type stuff. I guess there's. If any... they wanted to visit the, my village, mm-hmm. yeah. If they wanted yeah. to stay here, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be stay at my place. But there is also a hotel, which is quite odd. Really. When I first moved here five years ago, this place was under construction, but it had stopped. Uh-huh. And the wrecking ball or whatever it was just standing there still for like a year or two. And then suddenly the construction began. It's a lovely building in which they once made, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's you use the waste of making grapes to mm-hmm. make a hard liquor, basically, like mm-hmm. Aguadent. Mm-hmm. And this place was it was abandoned. But now it's it's been uh, bought and done up, and it's a spa hotel. <laughs> right there, huh? It's, it's, uh, built with European Union money, partly mm-hmm. European Union money, because people would get 
you know, like maybe as much as 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's there. Well, now that you've been there for several years, have you been able to see a good majority of the country? No, I mean, I not really. I've been, I suppose, northern Portugal on the way here, drove down that way. I've been only to the Tufaru in, in the Algarve to fly out, so that was like an evening. Mm-hmm. I've spent a little bit of time in Porto and Lisbon, but often it's just on the way to or from places because yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm flying out there. So Cascais a little bit, I sort of, sort of that area south of Lisbon. So no, there's a lot more to see in, in Portugal, really. Sure. So the other expats in your area, uh, are there a lot from the United States? No. No? No. It's a good friend of mine is American mm-hmm. um, and is her. And uh, occasionally I meet an American. It's it's There aren't many Americans here at all. So do the expats kind of do their own thing sometimes, like uh, you know meetings or get-together, or is it just everybody blends in and that's the way it is? I think most of the expats who come here, they want to integrate. Mm-hmm. So they're not coming here trying to, you know, it's not like I, from what I understand, the Algarve has a, a large British expat community and they seem to be able to go places and have British food and, I don't know, English breakfast. It's not like that here mm-hmm. at all. But you will see expats at certain things like, for example, there's a really nice market in a, a town again, about 17 kilometers to me in Tabua, maybe 17 kilometers, I don't, I don't know, 12 miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. And on Sundays, it's a market, uh, quite large. They sell, as well as food, plants, trees, animals, chickens, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they have a, a lunch there. So it's a grilled, grilled chicken, basically. And you just sit at these uh, communal tables and have grilled chicken and wine. It's very nice. And there are a lot of expats you will see there shopping. So, and then there are other markets where you'll see a sizable number of ex- expats who do try and uh, integrate. Gotcha. So would you say right now Portugal has been your favorite place to live? No, because I, uh, there are good and bad things about all the places I've been so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I mean it's the best place for me to be living right now mm-hmm. I'd say for certain do you plan to ever leave no no I mean I've, I've got a house here I have it it is a cheap place to live mm-hmm. you know I mean my property tax although it should be more next year because I've now gotten my the house has gotten a license of habitation, mm-hmm. which for some reason took, well, I know why. It took two years for me to get it. No reason except that people kind of dragging their feet, especially mm-hmm. the plumbers who worked on the house. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, my uh, property tax is 95 euros a year. <laughs> no, sorry, 98 euros <laughs> a year. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, My water, because I have well water that I use for irrigation, but inside the house I've got municipal water. And that's between... 11 and 14 euros a month. Wow. Nice. My electricity, about 30 to 40 euros a month. What about gas and uh, internet? Internet. Gas is, um, it's, they're gas bottles. So they, that ranges in price depending on what's going on in the oil industry, anywhere right. between 60 and, and, and 100 euros a bottle, big bottles. I don't, can't remember what the measure is. And, that seems to be lasting months, you know, okay. a few months. Mm-hmm. Internet, the plan I have now, which isn't giving me unlimited internet, is 17, 17 euros 90 a month. That's pretty cheap. Is there a way to get yeah. unlimited, true unlimited internet? Well, I, you know, I, satellite is supposed to be the way you do it. Now, I had satellite when I first moved here. Uh, but unfortunately, that company kind of didn't pay their bills and went Oops. out of business. Okay. And that, was, that was more expensive, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and I wasn't getting, mm-hmm. it wasn't unlimited. I don't need a, a ton of details. Of course, obviously, I don't want to get too personal, but you you were in the United States probably long enough to get some kind of retirement revenue from San Francisco, maybe? I, I've 
taken early social security. Okay, so how does that how does that work? Do you get they they just direct deposit that into your account? There's no kind of um fees or taxes or anything they take out of that. Or I guess they take some kind of tax, but the Portuguese government does not take any of it. Portuguese government doesn't take any of it. You get it you get it all. Okay. And you get it through the um the US embassy in Lisbon, they handle it. So is that for ten years or some kind of tenure program or is that forever? Until I die. Until you die, so you, they don't get any of it. Okay. All right. Well, that's nice of them. Well, no, okay, no, that, that, you know, so not directly. Now, you have to have a tax home somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and depending on where you pay your taxes, that would make a difference, I suppose. Okay. All right. And how much you're getting, you know, for, for um, retirement. Mm-hmm. So do you have some kind of, I read a lot on those Facebook pages about some countries having these, Senior programs where you get a discount almost everywhere you go. Is that applicable in Portugal or in your area? You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I know that when you take the train, if you're over 65, it's it's 50% off half price. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's some stuff like that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Which makes it very, very cheap. (laughs) I bet. That's real nice. Well, we're running out of our time on our hour. It was uh, plenty of information. I love it. I um, really appreciate you uh, sharing that with me and look forward to doing some more here in the future. Maybe come back and talk some more about Portugal. Do you? I do want you to be able to talk about your turn on and tune out, though, before we go. So I'm going to give the floor to you to do that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I recently published a novel called Turn On, Tune Out, and, well, it's the story of uh, Angelica Morgan, a composer from Britain who turns outlaw in Los Angeles. It's set in the near future of California, mm-hmm. uh, where computers have become the great equalizer. But at what cost? I mean, Angelica flouts the state computer law, which cripples creativity. Uh, she discovers an audience, love, and a passion to stop the insidious law taking hold in the U.K., Wow. And it's available on Amazon. Amazon. As an ebook or as a paperback. Turn on, so, tune out on Amazon. Yeah. Turn yeah. on, tune out. Amazon.com. Well, I appreciate all your information. Hope I wasn't too nosy. It's very fascinating to learn about this type of thing, and hopefully it helps some other people that are listening. They're thinking about this type of deal. You know, I'm sure eventually we'll have somebody from a big city. We'll have small cities. It's going to be fun trying to figure out the hows and whys of the expat lifestyle. So I appreciate you being on and helping me out. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. No, anytime. Great. Thanks so much. All right, then. All right, bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was Cynthia Kirkwood in Portugal in a small city of 250 people. So that's a wrap on this one. I hope you learned something. We'll do some more. We're looking again at other countries. Tons of them, we hope. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.